Howdy, folks. This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I'm Brian Yeager. I'm glad you've tuned in to listen. Today, we're going to be talking about Proverbs 15 and verse 12. Before we get into that, I've got some things that I want to bring up in line of what we're going to talk about to kind of get our minds headed in the direction of thought that Proverbs 15, 12 is talking about. So Proverbs 15, 12 uh, the text says, A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. And as we're going to talk about that, I want you to think about some other scriptures and some other points. In the New Testament, there was an area wherein there were multiple congregations called Galatia. And Paul had written a letter to them known as Galatians. And in that letter, we find out that they were persuaded away from the truth by not an entirely new doctrine, but there, there had been a corrupted doctrine of Christ. And as you read through that letter, you can see that they went back to some of the things that were recorded in the Law of Moses, such as circumcision, and you can see that clearly in chapter 5 and 6. Well, in that letter, Paul asked them in Galatians 4.16, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? What a sad statement. He was, excuse me, he was writing to people that had obeyed the gospel of Christ. People that were the children of God, the seed of Abraham that had been immersed into Christ. Galatians 3, 26 through 29. Why would a person, or in that case, a congregation, and not just one congregation, but multiple congregations, I should say, why would they not want to hear the truth? It doesn't make a lot of sense. And yet, it's not just because Paul was a certain kind of teacher or because there was some kind of clever people that had persuaded the Galatians away from the truth. It's a problem that even Jesus faced in his time on earth while he was teaching. And John 8, 43 through 47, he asked Jews who, if you back up in the context, they had believed. I mean, th these weren't people that just were standing there holding rocks and waiting to stone Jesus just because they had rejected everything he had ever taught. John 8, 30 said many believed on him. So he's talking to that group of people. Why do you not understand my speech? This is John 8, 43 through 47. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinces me of sin? And if I say the truth... Why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. So Jesus asked them that question. He puts forth the statement, the question, which of you convinced me of sin? So he's trying to get them to understand there is no reason for them to doubt his credibility. And then if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? I'm speaking the truth. Why aren't you believing it? That question, that question. It's because they were not of God. We know from 1 John 2, 29 through 3, 10, 
that those that are of God are those that do not commit sin. The contrast in that same context, those that do commit sin are of the devil. So Jesus uses that same line of reasoning that's written there in 1 John 2, 28 through 310. Here on them, you're of your father the devil. It's amazing, right? There's no better teacher that's ever going to walk on earth than Jesus. But they didn't want to listen to him. Paul was an apostle. Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? It's mind-boggling. Here's the truth. Why do you not want it? Yet, when you realize what the truth can do, it's even more puzzling. In that same context in John 8, Jesus said in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Of course, that's what started the reasoning. You know, we're not in bondage to any man. They thought, we're Abraham's seed. We're good. No, you're not. Jesus is bringing the truth. He's bringing the perfect law of liberty, James 1, 25 and 2, 12. You're going to be set free from the law of Moses. You're going to be set free from sin. Why don't you want that? In his prayer in John 17, 17, he's talking to the Father. He says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Truth sanctifies, sets apart. Why don't you want that? To the saints in Colossae, Paul said in Colossians 1, 5 and 6, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where you've heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is coming to you as it is in the whole world, bringing forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God and truth. Here's the truth. Why don't you want it? It's come unto you. It's in the world. It's bringing forth fruit. You can see it. It's evident. Why don't you want that? When Paul writes the evangelist Timothy, in part about the work of an evangelist. In 2 Timothy 2, 24-26, says the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all, apt to teach, patient, and meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them a repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. The acknowledging of the truth, repentance, conversion, takes you out of the hands of the devil. Why don't you want that? It's mind-boggling, right? Mind-boggling. Well, when we look at the life of our Lord and Savior while he was on earth, John 7, 7 says, The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Why did they hate Jesus? Because he told them the works of the world are evil. Backing up a few chapters in John 3, 19 through 21, Jesus talking to Nicodemus contextually says, This is the condemnation that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the life, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. People are condemned. Why? Because light exposes darkness. You can see why people who love darkness don't want to hear the truth, because it's going to expose them. On the other side of that, if you're living aright, you're not afraid of the truth because the truth is going to make that, those righteous deeds known. But then some people, when they hear the truth, they instead of just stepping back and saying, wow, this is going to set me free from sin. Wow, this is going to give me eternal life. Some of them just feel targeted, feel like they're attacking them. You know, uh, in Luke 11, 39 through 54, and then, and then I, I want to make a point from this too, a personal observation, but scriptures first. Luke eleven thirty nine 39 through 52, Lord said to him, 
how do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness? Ye fools, did not he that made that which is without make that which is within also? But rather give alms of such things as you have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. But woe unto you Pharisees, for ye tithe, mint, and rue, and all manner of herbs, and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought ye have done, and not leave the other undone. Woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye love the uppermost seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the markets. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are as graves which appear not, and them men do walk over them, are not aware of them. Then answered one of the lawyers, and said to him, Master, thus saying thou reproachest us also. And he said, Woe unto you also, ye lawyers. For ye laid men with burdens grievous to be borne, and ye yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe unto you, for ye build the sepulchres of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. Truly you bear witness that ye allow the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and ye build their sepulchres. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will slay and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets which is shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel, under the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple. Verily, I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe unto you, lawyers, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and then that were entering in ye hindered. And as he said these things unto them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to urge him vehemently and to provoke him to speak of many things, laying wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth, that they might accuse him. So here Jesus teaches a very pointed lesson. Instead of them stepping back, they get defensive. And instead of them stepping back and saying, let me change, since they're the target of the message, it's, you know what we need to do? Counterattack. Let's get Jesus to talk more. And if we get him to talk more, then he'll fail. My personal observation here. There have been many times where I have preached a lesson and we've had somebody in the assembly and afterwards they will either say to me or, or to one of my brothers or sisters in Christ, something along the lines of they feel targeted. I think he preached that because I'm here or he said this and he was talking directly to me. I've had people walk up to me and say, how'd you know? How'd I know what? You know what truth does? And here it is. There have been times where there are people in the audience that I know need to hear something, and I'm going to preach on it. But, but the way I work locally is I've already talked to them about it. Even when somebody visits with us, I'd rather talk to them individually than get up and stand and say something from the pulpit. I'd rather have a conversation with people. I use public teaching sometimes to reinforce what I've already talked about. But here's what truth does. When you're not living right, whether somebody calls you out directly or not, or whether or not a lesson from the scriptures is even intended for you, you feel targeted. Now, you can choose to be like they were here in Luke 11, 39 through 54. You could be like the scribes and the Pharisees and say, let me attack. Let me find a way to find fault in you so that I don't have to listen to you. 
Or you could just step back and say, yeah, wow, my toes got stepped on, which means I need to make some changes. I need to repent of some things. I need to make some corrections in my life. Ideally, that's what people would do because when the people that are lost hear the truth and they apply it, salvation is in the future. However, people are often inclined otherwise and they do not receive the truth. 2 Thessalonians 2.10 says, With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Well, what are those that perish doing? Notice the verse continues. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Not just receive the truth, but love it. So with all these thoughts in mind, Paul, am I therefore become your enemy? Jesus and his questions to them in John 8, 43 through 47, uh, where, where he asked ask them, you know, which of you convince of me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? With the fact that truth sets you free, it sanctifies, it saves, it brings you out of the snare of the devil. With the fact that people hate the truth often because it exposes their deeds and they get defensive. With all of these things in mind, I'm hoping that you'll reflect upon yourself because that's the goal here, right? To self-examination, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Let's talk about a scorner. Again, the verse from which our lesson is drawn is Proverbs 15, 12. A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. Let's define some of these terms. Each of the definitions that I'm going to give you come from Strong's Dictionary. Well, the concordance that has the dictionary uh, in the back. You can also look them up online for free. The first word we're going to talk about is scorner. S pronounce something like lutz or something like that in Hebrew. The definition is coming from Strong's number 3887. So if you're going to use online tools, you might have to put an H before that because it's Hebrew. And, you know, generally speaking, if you put an H before a Strong's number, it's going to give you the Old Testament G, it's going to give you the New Testament for Greek or H for Hebrew, right? So scorner or lutz, properly to make mouths at. That is to scoff. Hence, from the effort to pronounce a foreign language, to interpret or generally intercede. Ambassador, have in derision. Interpreter, make a mock, mocker, scorner, scorner, scornful, or teacher. You can see that's a broad word. So in each time that we talk about a scorner, we talk about that original Hebrew word, lutz. We're going to have to think about the context and, and, and what the verse is and context clues and, and what the verse is talking about in its context. We're going to be talking a lot about the book of Proverbs today. These, these are words of wisdom, to seek after wisdom and knowledge and understanding. So that's going to be the context of a lot of the verses that we look at. The second word we want to define is loveth, or in the Hebrew, it is something, pronounced something like ahabe, uh, means to have affection for, sexually or otherwise, to be loved or to be lovely or to be a lover, like and a friend. It is Strong's number 157. Reproveth, which in the Hebrew is something like yakaha, is to be right, that is correct, reciprocally to argue, causatively to decide, Justly or convict, appoint, argue, chasten, convince, 
correct or correction, daysman, dispute, judge, maintain, plead, reason together, rebuke, reprove or reprover, surely in any wise. Again, broad term, right? Broad term. So context matters. That's Strong's number 3198. We're going to be talking about it in the general sense as it is used about correction. Uh, Proverbs 15, 12, a scorner loveth not one that reproveth him. It is talking about one that is correcting him or rebuking him. Uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about. Similarly, the way the word is used in Proverbs 3, 12, for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as the father, the son, of whom he delighteth. That the word that is translated reproveth here in Proverbs 15, 12 is translated correcteth there in Proverbs 3 and verse 12. The point that we're going to be talking about in our lesson and in connection to things that we've already uh, talked about is a scorner is someone who will mock at you because you corrected them, because you tried to uh, teach them, because you tried to give them the way of life. In Proverbs 9, 7, and 8 says, He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame. He that rebuketh a wicked man giveth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Reprove a wise man, and he will love thee. I want to, at this point, state my motive in this lesson. My motive that a lot of my brothers and sisters in Christ uh, and, and my myself need to keep in mind, okay, is Proverbs 9, 7, and 8. Some people you can't teach. Can't teach. As much as you'd want to help them learn the truth, you have to arrive at a point wherein you understand that a scorner is going to turn it back on you. That you can't rebuke this person and expect good from it. That when you do it, they're going to hate you. I was recently talking to a brother in Christ here. Uh, he's going to, there's going to be a podcast come out uh, November if all goes according to plan. And it will be myself talking with one of the brethren here, Paul Lovett. Uh, he has just recently become a member of the congregation here in El Paso, he and his wife. And we were talking about family and how hard it is sometimes when family is caught up in their religious traditions, to get them to turn away from those religious traditions. And boy, does Proverbs 9, 7, and 8 just fit uh, exactly there. You end up getting people mocking back at you, mouthing at you, holding you in derision, scorning you. And when we look at the scriptures, we've got to think about this. We got to know that sometimes faithful Christians want salvation for people more than those people do for themselves. And thus, we try, and we try to a point where it turns to our own affliction. And Solomon gives us a lot of wisdom, and, and, and we'll, we'll bring the words of Christ in this too, as well as the Apostle Paul. Uh, and, and so forth before we end our lesson. But we need to think about people who will mock back, people who will scorn you, who will scorn a, a, somebody that's trying to teach them. So when you look at that word in Proverbs 15, 12, and you take Strong's number 3887, 
and you just kind of go through the book of Proverbs, there's a lot of things that are stated that I think help with the definition. And the way I study is I do this pretty frequently, uh, pretty much most of the time that I'm studying. I want to see how a Greek or a Hebrew or Aramaic word is used in other passages and in other contexts. And it helps me to understand the word that I'm looking at better and what I'm dealing with. So, so when we're thinking about Proverbs 15, 12, a scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, think about some of the passages. And, and all I'm going to do is just use some of the things that are written in Proverbs using this same word. And, and we're going to start in Proverbs 1, where we're going to see that they love to scorn. A scorner loves to scorn, meaning a scorner loves to, to mock, right? Proverbs 1, how long, ye simple ones, Will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. They, 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 they delight in it. They, they love it. They like it. They want to keep doing it. Our Lord puts forth that question, how long? How long will the scorner delight in their scorning? So if I'm thinking about Proverbs 15, 12, a scorner loveth not one that reproveth them. This scorner will not go unto the wise. They're not looking for wisdom. Why? Because they love or delight in their scorning. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34, as well as Proverbs 14, 6, notice this point. Surely he that he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. In Proverbs 14, 6, a scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth not. But knowledge is easy unto him that understandeth. Look, he scorneth the scorners. God, through his wisdom, mocks at scorners. The scorner cannot find wisdom. They're not going to receive it. They can't do it. Hmm. So they're going to mock at me. Because they're going to reap what they've sown. The scorner or the mocker, here it's translated mock. Proverbs 14, 9 says, Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. That word mock is the word we're talking about when we're talking about scorner. Fools mock at sin or they scorn. Well, what's that make a scorner? It makes a scorner a fool. And it shows us the way that they look at sin. They, they don't take it seriously. In Proverbs 19, 25 and 21, 11, a scorner is an example, not to be followed, not to be followed, but of this. Notice Proverbs 19, 25, smite a scorner and the simple will beware. Reprove one that hath understanding and he will understand knowledge. 21, 11 says, when the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise, and when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. So rather than trying to teach a scorner, make an example out of them is the point in Proverbs 19, 25, and 21, 11. Smite, smiting them or punishing them as to set them forth as what not to do. And Proverbs 19, 28, and 29, scorning is a trait of who? Notice, an ungodly witness scorneth judgment. And the mouth of the wicked devoureth iniquity. Judgments are pre prepared for scorners and stripes for the back of fools. So an ungodly witness, so, so a, a, a scorner is likened here to an ungodly win witness. I think about that. Why do they mock at sin? They can't be trusted. 
Why? Because they scorn judgment. They don't see judgment the right way. Judgments are prepared for them. Think about that. If we're out here trying to correct, trying to instruct people that are going to mock, that are going to bite back, think about that person as an ungodly witness. Think about them as, as that way. What, what do you think they're going to do when they talk to others about your attempt to help convert them? Do you think they're going to be honest and just in representing the things that you said? Were they honest and just with Jesus or Peter or Paul? How about you know, going, going backwards? You, know, you look at all the men in the Bible, women in the Bible that were persecuted by those that hated the truth. Were they honestly entreated? No. You think you will be? No, not at all. I found in my little word study very interesting to think about alcohol in this way. In Proverbs 20, verse 1, wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Wow. Well, yeah, that, think about the effects of alcohol. <laughs> when you look at someone who's going to bite back at you, make a mouth at you, somebody who's going to mock at you, think about alcohol. Think about what it's like to try to reason with somebody who's under the influence of alcohol. Proverbs 21, 24. Here's another thing. Proud and haughty scorner is his name, who dealeth in proud wrath. Think about wrath. Wrath doesn't work the righteousness of God, James 1, 19, 20. Think about adding pride to that. Pride cometh before destruction, Proverbs 16, 18, and haughty spirit before a fall. Proud and haughty scorner is his name. Any wonder why you can't teach somebody who's going to mock back? Think about contention. In Proverbs 22 and verse 10, cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. Think about get rid of contention. How do you do that? Get rid of the scorner. Scorners, very plainly put in Proverbs 20 verse 4 and verse 9, says the thought of foolishness is sin and the scorner is an abomination to men. So folks, when you take all those scriptures and you add them in to that definition and how that word is used, you got a pretty good idea why our Lord instructs us not to reprove a scorner. Because if you do, you're going to get shame. Why? Because they delight in scorning. They're going to reap what they sow. They're going to mock. They're, they're foolish. They're only good as an example for what not to be for judgment and how it's going to come upon people, liken, looking at them in, in the sense that they're an ungodly witness, liken under the influence of alcohol and everything we're talking about, pride and wrath, the source of contention. What do you think you're going to get when you try to correct that person? A world of trouble. So how do you know them? By the fruit, right? Matthew 7, 15 through 20, like you would anybody else. If this is the type of person you want to try to take the gospel to, to help them, the scriptures are telling you not to do so. You can't. In Proverbs 23 and verse 9, says, Speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. Here is God in the Old Testament through the words of Solomon. Do not speak in the ears of a fool. When you do that, what do you think you're going to get back in return? 
Now, wait a minute. Somebody will say, yeah, but those are all Old Testament passages. If you've been following this podcast for a while, you know I would not be teaching something out of the Old Testament as an application for today if it were not fitting for today. So we've already talked about New Testament passages, but I'm going to come back to the New Testament again. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and verse 6, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Here's what you can expect out of somebody who is not worthy of being taught. They're going to walk all over the word of God and they're going to turn back against you. What's, what's Solomon calling that person? A scorner, a mocker, a fool, person of pride, proud wrath. You see, it fits. I'm using all these scriptures because the New Testament certifies that. We talked about how that scorner is a source of contention in Proverbs 22 and verse 10. Think about what Paul told two evangelists, Timothy and then Titus. And 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 26. And listen, this is very important because we, 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 we read earlier 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, right? But when you back up that one verse, I'm not going to read 24 through 26 again, but back up to that one verse, verse 23, says, But foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. Then from there, you got the servant of the Lord must not strive, be gentle, apt to... Uh, unto men, apt to teach, etc. Foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing they do gender strifes. See how that fits? Don't get involved in that conversation with somebody who wants to mock, somebody who wants to scorn, somebody that's going to deal in proud wrath, somebody that's only good as an example of what not to be. Don't talk to that person about the gospel. Good is not going to come from it. And Titus 3, 9 through 11, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and striving about the law for they are unprofitable in vain. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he is such that is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. Avoid it. As much as you want that person to be saved, through inspiration, through the work of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul is telling two men that have the work of evangelism, Timothy, who was told to be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, 2 Timothy 4.12, he's telling them, avoid these types of conversations. As it is fitting of what we learned about a scorner, each and every one of them. Avoid that. Stay away from it. When the apostles were sent out, before they were sent out to the whole world, they were sent out to the lost sheep of Israel. And they went city by city. When the word of God was not received, Matthew 10, 14, Jesus says, Whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. He didn't tell them, go back and try again. He said, leave and don't have the dirt from that city cling unto you. Don't, it's not go back and keep trying. Go back and argue with them. Go engage in a debate. No. Listen. It's to avoid, to walk away from. And those are commands. Those are commands. If we try and go and do what our Lord is telling us not to, 
That's an act of disobedience. That's not you loving somebody and trying hard. That's you rebelling against the instructions of God. Do you hear that? Are you thinking about that? We have to realize that some people just don't want it. In Psalm 50, 16 and 17, it says, But unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? Seeing thou hatest instruction, and castest my words behind thee. Some people hate the truth, and they dispose of the word of God. They're just stupid people. Wait a minute. Did I just call somebody stupid? Well, the scriptures do. The word we're about to read, brutish, look it up. Strong's number in Hebrew, 1198. Proverbs 12 and verse 1. Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish, meaning he is stupid. So what's a scorner? They hate reproof. They're stupid. Don't talk to a stupid person. They're not going to learn. They're not going to hear it. Are you taking these words from God to heart? How about if we flip it? Are you a scorner? Are you a stupid person? Are you rebellious? When the truth is presented to you, do you heed to it or do you argue against it? When somebody lovingly tries to correct you, and by lovingly correct you, I don't mean, you know, some people hear, you say something and they hear it a different way. You, you say lovingly try to correct you and they, say, they think, lay me down on a table and give me a full body massage as you tell me, hey, maybe you ought to think about this way. A loving rebuke isn't about how the message is given. Rebuking somebody is going to be an aggressive action. It's going to be a forward action. Uh, and it is out of love. The Lord said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Revelation 3.19, talking to the erring saints in Laodicea. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. When I, mean, when I say lovingly rebuke, I'm not talking about the delivery method. I'm talking about the action itself. Somebody corrects you, that's an action of love. Are you hearing it? Or are you the scorner? Don't be the scorner. Because people like me are going to stop trying to teach you. People that know the truth, they're not going to keep trying. They're going to let you alone. Jesus' instructions about the blind leading the blind is let them alone. Matthew 15 and 14. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. The blind lead the blind. Both shall fall in the ditch. The most loving. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ teaches, as we have reviewed in multiple verses, to walk away, not keep trying. Don't be a scorner. Faithful people are going to let you alone. Why? Because the Bible teaches faithful people, but scorners just don't want to hear it. Proverbs 13.1, a wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. Correction is going to stop when you are a person that does not want to hear it. Are you listening? Don't buck up. Don't get angry. Don't get mad. Don't feel targeted. Step back and honestly review yourself. Is your first inclination to scorn when somebody corrects you? You need to change that. If you're not a scorner, are you one that keeps trying to talk to those that do mock? 
You got to stop. It's sinful because what is sin is transgression of the law, 1 John 3, 4. When you keep trying, you're transgressing the commandments of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be a shame to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Because we all will, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, to answer for the good or the bad. And for him to ask, why did you keep talking to that person? You say, Lord, I'm just trying to save their soul. And he said, but you disobey me when you did that. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know, because there are going to be people that stand before our Lord thinking that they've done his work. I want you to hear this. Look, Listen to Matthew chapter 7. And really, read the whole chapter. Read the Sermon on the Mount. starts in chapter 5. Well, I'm going to isolate verses 21 through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and thy name cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. The Lord says, stop, you stop. You can't possibly love lost souls more than he does. So don't virtue signal. Don't go out there, well, I just love lost souls. You know, I, I just want to preach and teach everybody. Okay, the Bible says stop. Jesus Christ says stop, so stop. I hope this lesson has been thought-provoking for you. I got something I'm excited about. If all goes according to plan, next week, the Sunday podcast is going to turn into a study of 1 Peter, where we're going to go verse by verse, and I'm going to put together some lessons on 1 Peter. So the topical is going to be Tuesday, and the textual is going to be Sunday. I hope you'll make a plan to listen each week and to keep up so that you're following along with things in order. I thank you so much for listening. If you have questions, I hope you'll give me a call. 915-525-5794. You can visit the website, wordsoftruth.net. Hope these lessons are beneficial to you, that all the scriptures that are, are put forth, that they, that they do what the Word of God is able to do if you have a good and honest heart, that they will prick and bring forth fruit. If I can be helpful in your studies, you don't have to wait for me to hit a subject or a text in, in, in this podcast. You don't even have to search the website. You can just talk to me directly. I'd love the opportunity to study with you. I'd like to be busier in that work. Give me that opportunity, please, if there are things I can help you with. I hope that you will make plans to uh, tune in on Tuesday and listen to the podcast then. If all goes according to, to plan. And listen, if you're not getting the podcast on, on Tuesdays early in, in the morning or somewhat in the morning, um, there are some servers out there for some reason that delay a day or two. But I can tell you that uh, Podbean is where I source it. I've heard that Apple is pretty fast in putting them out, as is Spotify. Uh, you might want to use those servers. You can always go to my website, wordsoftruth.net, and click on podcast. It's going to be there. It's going to be there first, okay? Thank you so much for listening. And until Tuesday, where we'll virtually see you again.